Let's bow our heads together. Father, tonight as we begin to study where we left off last night, in relationship to this rapturous period of time, and what happens during this 1,000 years, give us your Holy Spirit to see, hear, and understand. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know something. We're talking about what the book of Revelation is all about, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important. Now, I want you to know that when Jesus comes, there's only going to be two groups. Are you with me? All right. The first one is found over in Isaiah chapter 25. Isaiah chapter 25. Verse 9. Isaiah 25, verse 9. By the way, on Monday night when you show up, I'm going to have a giant size, so you can see it without glasses, giant size red letter edition Bible that is, you know, leather covered and it'll be yours that you can have and be able to use during the seminar. Now, if you already have your own Bible and that's the one you want to use, fine. But if you don't got one, I want you to have one. Amen? I want you to go home and do the homework. Look it up. Make sure it's there. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9, it says this. It shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him, and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. You know, I love that idea. Over and over and over it's brought out. You know, they went on their way rejoicing. We will be glad and rejoice. You know, I've met some Christians, I tell you, I think they've been baptized in lemon juice. You know, if they smiled, it'd break their faith. But I'm going to tell you, if a Christian can't be happy, who can? Amen? You ought to walk around with a smile on your face all the time. Somebody will ask you why you're always happy. And you can say, Jesus loves me. And you just witnessed. Amen? You know, we will be glad and rejoice. Now, this is the group I want to be in. How about you? Now we go over to Revelation chapter 6, and one night we're going to cover all of the chapter, but I want to zero in right on the last part of chapter 6, Revelation chapter 6, and we come down to verse 14, and the Bible says this, Revelation 6 verse 14, and the heavens depart as a scroll when they are rolled together. Every mountain and island are moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said unto the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb. You know, talk about wrath of a lamb. How many of you ever been around a lamb? <laughs> you, you know, I don't know. That's one of those, you know, ideas that I think it doesn't fit. But anyhow, they're afraid of a lamb. Amen? For the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? 
Do we really want to be left behind? In Revelation chapter 22, there is a decree that comes just before Jesus comes to receive his people. It's found in Revelation 22 and verse 11. The Bible says this, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his works shall be. What happens just before Jesus comes? All decisions are made. Everything is sealed for time and eternity. If you're going to make a decision for Jesus, you've got to do it before you look up and see him coming because it's already been over. Does that make sense? So it's important that we make this decision. I want to give you a vision of the second coming. Turn back to Revelation chapter 19. And we begin in verse 11. And it says this. Revelation 19 verse 11. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes were as the flames of fire, and on his head were the many crowns, and he had a name written, which no man knew but himself. Now, how many of you believe he's got fire coming out of his eyes? You know, the book of Revelation was written, okay, in code. But now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever met somebody that when you were there with them, you almost felt like they could see right through you? Yeah. You ever met somebody like that? Yeah. I got news for you. Jesus can. And to the wicked, it's going to be like flames of fire. Does that make sense to you? Why, why it says that? He's going to see right through. Listen, if you think going to church is going to earn you brownie points, forget it. If you think giving money at church is going to earn you brownie points, Forget it. If you think singing in a choir or serving on the board or whatever else is going to earn you brownie points, forget it. You will be saved because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And if you do any of those things, you have to do it because you love him. You can't earn heaven in any way, shape, or form. And many of those people that are doing that they're the ones that look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're at church, but they're sorry they had to take out of their schedule to go. You know what I mean? Listen, folks, we have to do it for the right reason, not for the wrong reason. And Jesus will know. Verse 13. He that was clothed with a vesture down and dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who is the Word? Who became flesh and dwelt among us. And the Bible says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. 
Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, that he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness with the wrath of the Almighty God. Now, how many of you think he's got a, a sword coming out of his mouth? Again, symbolic. Have you ever read in the scriptures that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, even dividing between the bone and the marrow? That's sharp. Amen? So what's coming out of his mouth? Words. And his words are cutting to the very bone of the issue. Those who are looking for Jesus will look up and say, this is my God, and he will save me. The rest will be running, asking the mountains and the rocks to fall on them and hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. What a difference between the two. Verse 16. He hath on his vesture a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all of the fowl that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and them that set upon them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. What a sign that is, huh? Have you ever watched Animal Planet and watched some of these, you know, vultures fly in and start tearing the carcass apart? Here's what the angel is talking about. Remember that Jesus said, I said, I'm not going to answer it till tonight. You know, well, where? Well, wherever the body is, there the eagles are, remember? So here it fits right together. How does it happen? Well, verse 19. When I saw the beast, or I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies, and they were gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophets that wrought miracles before him, which deceiveth them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant, what's the remnant? The remaining, the last part. Are you with me? Got your ears open? And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which the sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Boy, in one instance, that's kind of a gruesome scene, but in the other one, it's really a nice one because those of us, you know, who have got caught up together with those that died in the Lord, we're going to be rejoicing, but the rest of them ain't going to be too happy. Amen? Revelation 19, that was verse 21. Now, somebody's going to say, wait a minute, Jack. I've heard lots of religious people talk about it. Isn't there coming a 1,000 years of peace on this earth, and Christ will reign here on this earth for 1,000 years? Well, let's find out according to the Bible. Amen? Thank you, honey. 
don't pay attention to her. Pay attention to me. She's fine. I don't care what she does. We just move right along, okay? Chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the keys of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Remember, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We want to see what really happens. Now, how many of you think the angel actually comes down with a chain, wraps Satan all up, and locks him up for a thousand years? You're going to find something. This is a chain of circumstances. Are you with me? Now, don't let that blow your mind. Have you ever had somebody say, hey, listen, I'm going to have a barbecue this weekend. Why don't you come on over and have a steak with us? And you said, I'd love to, but I'm all tied up. Were you really? No, you were tied up by circumstance. You're going to see that, that all of this pushed together, it's a circumstance how Lucifer is chained up. Notice it says in verse 3, cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and put a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. He should do what? What does the devil live to do? That's worse than chocolate chip cookies and no milk, okay? (laughs) Till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Oh, so at the end of the thousand years, it says he must be loosed for a little season. So obviously, being loosed, he's back deceiving again. Amen? All right, so as we look at this, when will this 1,000-year vacation of the devil begin? That's a good question. Now, this word abyssal comes from the Greek word, and what does it mean? We find a similar word over in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. This is a Hebrew word, but it has the same root meaning. And it says, and the earth was without form and void. This word void comes from a similar root word, meaning without form. And notice something else. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Do you see that? So in Genesis 1, it was without form and void, and darkness was upon the earth, okay? Here he is cast into the bottomless pit where it's dark. Now, if we look at Isaiah chapter 14, we find something in relationship to this. Satan made some statements. And his statements we find are this. In Isaiah 14 and verse 12, God says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Why? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will be like the Most High. Now, I submit to you, Lucifer's big problem is he couldn't see very well. He had an eye problem, amen? But now God says this in the very next birth and brings him back to reality. Yet thou shalt be brought down to what? Hell to the sides of the pit. And again, this word pit is like the Greek word that says he bound him in the bottomless pit. Now, our question is, where is this pit? Where is this hell? Let's go over to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. We always want the Bible to interpret itself. 2 Peter chapter 2. And we look at verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says this. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to where? Hell. Okay. So not only was Lucifer cast down to hell, but the angels were cast down to where? Hell. And delivered them unto chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So not only Lucifer is in chains, his angels are in chains. And where? In hell. Go to Jude. Now Jude's real easy to find. Find Revelation 1, go back one page. Okay? And we discover this in verse 6. Jude 6. It says this. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. What was that? Heaven, right, okay. He is reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So again, he repeats, not only Lucifer, but his angels are in chains. Now, where is this hell? Well, let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, and we read verse 9. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out unto the, what? Earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Where is this hell? If you don't believe that it is, go home and watch the 11 o'clock news. Do you really think this is what God had in mind? This is a plastic society that Satan has been allowed to rule for about 6,000 years, and every possible thing he can distort about God, he has. Every kind of disease, hurt, killings, everything you can imagine. He's created it and let it exist. This is a living hell, folks. It really is. I'm so glad, though, that God shows his love through. You know, I love roses. You, if, don't grab them too tight, amen? But they're beautiful. You know, I, I can hear the birds singing, you know, and, and I see the garden growing, and I get to eat some of the stuff that's coming out of it. I'm so glad we can still see the Creator's work. 
but right here is hell. Wow. Well, let's go back to Revelation 14. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 20. And let's read the next verse. And I saw thrones, verse 4, Revelation 24, 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for how long? A thousand years. Wow. Now, let's stop right here. And it says, I saw thrones, and they live and reign with Christ for how long? All right. Go to Psalms 11. Is this throne and is this reign here on this earth? Psalms 11, verse 4. It says that the Lord, speaking of the Lord God the Father, is in his holy temple, which we found out is in heaven, and the Lord's throne is in what? Heaven. Amen? All right, now, if you go to Psalms 103, where is the Son's throne? Psalms 103, verse 19. Psalms 103, verse 19. I don't want to go too fast. I love to hear pages flipping. Psalms 103, verse 19. And the Lord has prepared his throne in the what? Heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. They live and reign with Christ for how long? Now, Revelation, John says, I saw thrones. How many thrones do we see so far? Two, God the Father and God the Son, right? I'm not done. Go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And we find here in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And here's what he tells them in Matthew chapter 19, reading verse 28. Matthew 19, verse 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. <clears throat> so now how many thrones do you see? Fourteen. Okay. Now do you understand why John said, I saw thrones, not one, but many. Now, some people say, wait a minute, Jack, I'm confused. You read a verse over there in Revelation chapter 22, and it says, he that is unjust remains unjust, and he that is righteous remains righteous, and then Jesus comes. What are they doing judging in heaven? Good question, right? Huh? <laughs> I want you to go to uh, Malachi. That's right in front of Matthew, last book in the Old Testament. Malachi, 
chapter 3. Just go back to the first chapter of Matthew and the very next book going towards the front is Malachi. Verse 17 in chapter 3 says, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern. What would be another word for discern? Judge. Okay, good. Between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Hmm. Does the New Testament speak about this as well? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We discover here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 2, Paul makes this comment. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? If the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Now, that doesn't mean judging each other. Hello? It means in life. You know, I have people try to make this live being a Christian so hard. How can it be hard, folks? You know, if you're watching TV, okay, and Christ came in, would you hope you could hit the channel changer before he could see what was on it? Or would you invite him to have some popcorn and sit down and watch it? That's difficult, ain't it? Small thing, you know. I have young people come and say, well, can I listen to this? Can I listen to it? Who am I? I'm not judge. But I'll tell you what, if you're in your room listening to something and Jesus came in and you hoped you could turn it off before he could hear it, but if you're listening to something, he comes in and you invite him, I, you're probably on the right track, right? I mean, you know, this is real complicated. You know, <laughs> people just amaze me. Well, how about can I wear this? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Christian dress conceals. Worldly dress reveals. Now let your mirror be your guide. Hello. Come on, girls. You know when you're trolling. And you ought to take it easy on us poor guys, okay? Because we don't have a whole lot of gumption to stand up for sometimes, all right? So... Do you understand what Paul's saying? Why can't you judge the smallest of matters? For This is crazy if you can't figure these things out, right? Then he goes on and he says this. Know you not, verse 3, that you shall judge angels? How much more than the things that pertain to this life? Let me explain it so you understand it. There's really three phases of the judgment. The first phase is done before Jesus comes. And the decree is given. But when you get to heaven, I'm going to tell you there's three surprises. First surprise is you're there. Second surprise, <laughs> the one you talked about, the one you knew wasn't going to be there, they're there too. Third surprise, the one you knew was going to be there isn't there. And we as human beings, whether we speak it or think it, we have a little three-letter word we would be better not to use when it comes to God. 
Anybody know what the three-letter word is? Begins with a W, ends with a Y. Do you realize that if you even think the word why isn't Aunt Matilda here, who are you really questioning? God. Amen? What you're saying is, wait a minute, God, I think you made a mistake. That's really what you're saying, isn't it right? So when we're in heaven during the 1,000 years, we actually sit in judgment of God. And God's going to say, okay, come here. And he's going to open the books and here's Aunt Matilda's whole life. And you'll be able to read and see the whole thing. And you'll, when you're finished, you'll say, wow, I guess she didn't really want to be here. Now, will that make you happy? No, there's going to be tears in heaven. People say, wait a minute, God's going to wipe away all the tears. No, that's at the end of the thousand years, not during it. If my son isn't in heaven, you think I'm not going to shed some tears over it? Huh? I pray every day. I know one thing. God loves him more than I do. Amen? And we have to sometimes, all we can do as parents is pray. You know, because if we open our mouth, they just get all over us because all we're doing is just hassling them. You know? And so we can see. God's made a judgment. But we sit in the judgment, and when we're finished we have to admit God is right. We not only judge humans, we also judge angels. Am I making it clear for you? I want you to understand this subject. Go back to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. As we discover here in Revelation 20, we read the very next verse. It says this, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So the righteous are reigning together with Christ for a thousand years. Where, folks? In heaven. heaven. And the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. And he said, this is the first resurrection. The dead in Christ shall rise first. As we look at this, I want you to notice something. It tells us here that Jeremiah, I want to go over to Jeremiah chapter 4. The Old Testament prophets were given a scene of the last days. And here Jeremiah was given one. You're going to find some things that may sound a little bit familiar. In verse 23, Jeremiah 4 verse 23. Here's what Jeremiah says. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. Where did we read that before? Genesis. Genesis. And the heavens, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills were moved lightly. And I beheld, and lo, there was no man. All the birds of heaven were fled. And I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down in the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. For thus hath the Lord said, The whole land shall be desolate. Catch the last part. Yet I will not make a full end. So as we look at this, the mountains tremble, there was no man, 
and all the birds in the heaven were fled. What is the Bible telling us? There is the first resurrection, and then there's a thousand years go by, and there's a second resurrection. Do you understand that? I, I want to give it to you this way. Jesus said, verse John 5, 28 and 29, All that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. When Jesus comes, there's going to be four categories of people, okay? Righteous dead, righteous living. Would you agree so far? Okay, then there's going to be the wicked dead, and there's going to be the wicked living. Did I leave anybody out? None whatsoever. All right, we know at the parousia, the second coming of Jesus Christ, Thessalonians tells us, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive will be caught up or raptured up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So the righteous dead and the righteous living are where? Caught up to meet the Lord in the air and go to heaven. For how long? thousand years. All right, so they're in heaven. What about the wicked dead? Well, we just read the rest of the dead live not again until what? The thousand years were finished. What about the wicked living? We need to turn over and read it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And the Bible tells us this. Verse 8, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now remember, who wrote 2 Thessalonians? Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Who wrote 1 Thessalonians? We're still on the same subject. Amen. Paul set the subject the other night. It was just too long to be able to do it all in one night. We're doing it in two. As we look at this, whoops, I want to back up. Jeremiah 25, 33. Let's just read it on the screen. You can write it down. And the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth even unto the other end of the earth, and they shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. And the angel of the Lord calls all of the fowl of the air to come and feast on the flesh of all them. Are you with me? So, what is the Bible describing? If all the righteous are taken to heaven and all the wicked are destroyed and left behind for the eagles to feed on, who is left here on this planet Earth? No one except for the devil and his angels. Now, who is he going to deceive? There's nobody to deceive. He can't go to heaven, right? He's chained to this earth in this bottomless pit, and there's nobody alive except his fellow angels, and he don't need to deceive them, right? So this is why the Bible says for a thousand years he can't deceive anybody. You understand why it's a chain of circumstances? 
You know, th what this tells me, the devil's on death row for a thousand years. Do you think it changes him? Not one bit. To think about all he's done for all this time, for a whole thousand years, and yet as soon as he has the chance, he goes right back to doing what he did before. Wow. You think God's given him enough rope to hang himself? Huh? Yeah, it is, isn't it? What happens at the end of the millennium? Well, let's go back to Revelation chapter 20. And we read here in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. The Bible says, When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. How is he loosed? By the second resurrection. Are you with me? Everybody from Cain forward is going to be resurrected. Everybody. You know, at one point in time, everybody that's ever lived on this earth is going to be all together in one place. God's people in the city, okay? Satan's people outside the city. That's simple. But everybody, from Adam to the very last baby that was born before Jesus comes. Wow, what a scene. Amen? I want you to notice, go to verse 11. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled. And there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, both small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up their dead which were in it, and death and hell, or death and the grave, delivered up the dead that were in them, and they were judged every man according as their works. This is the third phase of the judgment. What's that? Everybody gets their chance to go to court. Hello? We don't have to go to court if we've asked Jesus to represent us, right? We learned that on night two. But if you don't, you're going to stand there all by yourself. Now, some people say, oh, these are a bunch of zombies raised back. Come on. Listen, do you know that you can be physically alive and still be dead? Did you know that? The Bible says, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. They're just too stupid to lay down. Amen? <laughs> but we can be alive physically and still be dead. Now what's the difference? We were talking about what Pastor Stan said. Those of us that are in the city, you know, our hair is back like it's supposed to be and no more glasses and everybody's walking. There's no wheelchairs. There's no nothing. But those outside the city are resurrected exactly the way they died. Do you see any contrast between them? The wages of sin is death. death, folks. And by the way, wages you earn. Hello? You earn it. You chose it. But everybody gets to stand before the throne of God. This is when the saddest verses in the whole Bible come true. 
Jesus himself said, in this day there will be those that say, Lord, uh, Lord, wait a minute, you made a mistake, Lord. I belong in the city. I don't belong out here. Well, I went to church every week. I gave a faithful tithe every week. I, I even preached sermons for you. I, I went and visited the sick and all that stuff. And Jesus looks at him and says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity. That's why I said we can't earn it, folks. If you're not doing it because you love him, don't bother. Okay? You're not fooling God. And those, to me, is the saddest scriptures in the verse. Think you're saved and find out you're lost. Listen, I've heard wonderful, wonderful stories about conversions. And I love to listen to some of them. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not a one-time thing. When you woke up this morning, if you didn't say, thank you, God, for giving me another day, please, God, take me today. Not what I want to do, but what you want for me. If you didn't do that, you're not saved today. Hello. It's an everyday lifetime experience, folks. And you realize the more you read God's word, the more you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the more you know you're only going to be there because he said so. And he said, you can believe it. You have eternal life. If you have accepted me, then you have eternal life. Wow, what a wonderful thing. Well... When these books are open, this is when Philippians 2, 10, and 11 come true. At that, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of the things in heaven and the things in earth and the things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Even Satan. Does it mean he has a change of heart? No. Have you ever been caught? All the evidence was there. You knew you couldn't do anything. So finally you said, okay, I did it. This is Lucifer. Okay, you're right, I'm wrong. Not a change of heart. He doesn't really repent, but he admits that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of the Father. Not Jesus' glory, God's Father. Well, back to Revelation 20. As we look here, I want you to notice. In verse 7, it says he's loosed for a little season. And what does he do immediately when he's loosed? He shall go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sands of the sea. Wow. You ever tried to pick up a handful of sand and count it? And they went up on the breath of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Now let me ask you a question. If I take a grape and devour it, how much is left? You know, we hear this, you're going to go to hell and burn forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Folks, that's eternal life in hell. Is that what God said? The gift of life, gift of eternal life is life, right? But the wages of sin is what? For how long? 
forever. I know we'll study some more, don't worry. Each night will bring in more questions. We'll get there, okay? <laughs> it says, and death and hell, verse 14, were cast into the lake of fire. And it tells us this is the second death. Whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Didn't say second punishment forever. This is the second death. Wow. Well, Jesus says that it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What happened to everybody outside the ark? What's going to happen to everybody outside the city? You know the sad part? All those in the flood get resurrected to go back and go into the fire. Wow, there's a program for you, ain't it? They should have been smarter than the dog, amen? And got on the boat. But no, no, they're too brilliant. They stayed off. Oh, what they're going to pay, they don't even have any idea what their choices had led them to be. Well, he says in chapter 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were what? Passed away. And it tells us there that God will be with us and dwell with us. Wow, what an idea. God's moving. How long heaven has been the center of the universe, we don't know, folks. But our Bible tells us God's moving his throne, his kingdom, to where? Right here. And this earth becomes the center of the universe. How much do you think God loves us? When the Bible says, for God so loved the world, you can't even begin to explain how much he loves us. He said, I am the beginning and I am the end. Wow. This is when the verses come true and this is one that some theologians just can't wrap their mind around. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But not like it is, folks, like it was meant to be. I can't explain the creation. How do you explain somebody that can speak birds, flowers, and everything into existence? No way. But I got news for you. The second time I get to watch him do it, I probably still won't be able to explain it, but I'm going to get to see him do it. Amen? What a wonderful thing. I promised you last night, symbolically, I would have Jesus pull up in your driveway, get out of the car, and head for your front door. How soon is all of this about to take place? Jesus said we can know that it's near even at the door. When you see all of the signs, you know when spring's coming. Amen? The, the plants tell you, the birds tell you, everything tells you. You know, spring is coming, right? And so Jesus says you can know this. You can know this. I want you to turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3. Does anybody know what 2 Peter chapter 3 is all about? No? Well, shame on you. You ought to read it. It's all about the second coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's all about those who are scoffing because people are preaching it. And there's a verse, verse 8, that just really excites me. And it says this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. 
But beloved, be not ignorant. You know, when God says don't be ignorant, it's time to pay attention. Be not ignorant about this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now, when we look at this, I've had some preachers tell me, well, what God's trying to say is time really doesn't mean anything to God. He's trying to explain that. Well, I don't quite agree with that because, you know, when I read my Bible, God specifically said day one, day two, day three. He specifically said in this many days, this is going to happen. I mean, I think God's pretty exact. Now, you know, if God was really trying to say what they say, why did he pick a thousand years? Why not 5,000? Huh? We're going to live and reign with Christ for how long? A thousand years. Isn't that right? In heaven we're going to reign. Why do you pick a thousand years? I, mean, I know I'm the only one who ever thinks like this. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but if Jesus was to come, take me home this weekend, bring me back, and create a new heaven and a new earth on the first day of the week, I don't know about the rest of you, that'd be good enough for me. Huh? But no, he says a thousand years. Why a thousand? And here he uses a thousand. I don't think God ever does anything by accident. And he says, you know, don't be ignorant. You know, I was reading the morning watch book. You all know what that is? There's kind of a little morning thought every morning you can read. And I was reading the uh, youth book. Uh, it's better than the adult one. And uh, I was reading about a missionary lady that had went over to the Pacific Islands. And uh, when she had gotten there, the chiefs all forbid her to talk to anybody but the children. And she had been there for two years without any success with anybody other than children. Well, one day she was telling a story that to me is one of the most disgusting things in the Bible. I know you're saying, what? Jesus healed lots of blind people. Hello? Y'all know that. But one day, Jesus did something, you know. He, he knelt down, and he uh, scooped up some dirt, you know, and then he got up, and he went like this and rubbed it on the guy's eye. Talk about politically incorrect, amen? And I, why did he do that? Well, this morning, this lady was telling this story to these children, and three of the top chiefs were walking by. And they stopped to listen. When the children had all been dismissed and nobody was else was there, they went over to the lady and said, tell us more about this Jesus. She said in the book, I could have fainted. She says, I've been trying to tell you about Jesus for two years. Why do you want to know about him now? And they said, well, you see, all of the chiefs are also medicine men. And they heal people by spitting. But none of them have ever healed a blind man. So Jesus has got to be the greatest spitter that ever lived. And we want to know more about this spitter. And the story closed that almost everybody on the islands accepted Jesus Christ. Accident? I don't think so, folks. I think that day Jesus looked down through history and saw those people and knew if he didn't do that thing, they'd never accept salvation. That's the kind of God I serve. Oh, I hope it's the kind you serve. He'll do whatever it takes. You just got to know that, all right? 
So here he says a thousand years. Does he ever say it anyplace else? Yes. If we turn over to Psalms chapter 90 and verse 4. Psalms 90 and verse 4. Once more God uses this and he says yesterday is like a thousand years when it is past. Wow. One more time comparing it together. Now I'm going to tell you when I first discovered this it intrigued me so much. I quit doing my study I was in and went into studying a thousand years equals a day. Okay? I was so intrigued. I said, if God said it, it's got to be true. And if it is true, it's got to be examples. Would you all agree with that? Well, we have the days in Genesis. Amen? I'm going to give you two tonight. I challenge you to study them all. Seven days, I'm going to give you two. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says, Genesis 1, chapter 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Let them be for the lights in the firmament of heaven and to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And he set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So fourth day according to the math that God gave us, 4,000 years later, something had to happen. Would you agree with that? Huh? You know, I, I want to stop right here and just <laughs> notice something. In verse 14, it says, let them be for signs, for seasons, for days, and for years. You ever had somebody tell you this isn't true? This is nothing but a fairy tale. You know, you Christians always use it as a crutch. You bet I do, and I need it a lot, okay? But that don't mean I can't prove it. How do we tell a day? Explain that to me, will you? By the rotation of the earth, okay, right. How do we tell a month? By the rotation of the moon. And how do we tell a year? By the rotation around the sun, Amen. How do we tell a seven-day week cycle? How do we tell a seven-day week cycle? How do we come up with a seven-day week cycle? Why not an eight-day week cycle, ten-day week cycle? How do we come up with a seven-day week cycle? This is the only thing in the history of the world, all of the science hasn't been able to prove it any different. Even those who don't believe in the Bible, and even those who say there is no God, and this is a fairy tale, all go by a seven-day week cycle. Who can outsmart God? Amen? Tell me it isn't true. Man himself testifies that God is God. Isn't that wonderful the way God works? 
as we look at this, how much life would we have on this sun? I mean, on this earth without the sun? No, eventually everything would die, right? 4,000 years later, something has to happen. That's what my God told me. So let's go over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Did something happen 4,000 years later? The Bible says this. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And of course, verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But I want you to back up and notice something. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. How much life would we have without the sun? None. Jesus says, I came to give you life, but I came to give you more abundant life. We have physical life. He came to give us eternal life. Jesus is the light giver. And it happened 4,000 years later. Wow. Interesting? One more. But go, instead of going to Genesis, I want you to go to Exodus. Because there's something I want to pull out of here in reference to Satan. It's very important. And he refers to it, and you'll see how this all fits together. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Everybody ready? Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and in it thou shalt not do what? Any work. Not only you, but you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your employee, or your female employee, nor the cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. You know, can I meddle just a little bit? I see people go to church, they come home, mow the lawn, wash the car. Maybe they go to lunch before they go home. I would say go to Walmart, but you all ain't got one here. You really think this is what God had in mind? You think it's a day to do everything else you can't get done during the other six? Huh? No, I know I'm meddling. And I'm going to tell you something. You can ask your pastor this weekend. The hardest job the pastor had is getting people to come to church every week. We're a Christian nation. Do you know how often the, this Christian nation goes to church? Once a year. Would you like to guess when? Easter. If they're really being a Christian, they go twice a year. What day do you think they go then? 
Christmas. You really think this is what God had in mind? No, okay, I'll quit meddling and go back to preaching. Okay. Just think about it, folks. You know, it's a day we ought to spend time together with our families. Do you have to go to church? No. You can go out into nature and go camping. You can be able to find God in his second book, which is nature. Amen? So there's lots of ways. But it's a day you ought to spend with your family. It's a day you ought to be able to spend, you know, with God as well. Amen? So, you know, quit crowding on him, and I'll shut up and go back to preaching. All right. As we see this, then he says, six days you can work, and the seventh day thou shalt do no work. Amen? Now, as we look at this, I want you to picture from the Bible. Are you ready? 2,000 years went by from creation to Abraham, according to the Bible. From Abraham to Jesus Christ was another 2,000 years. From Jesus Christ to this day, it's been another 2,000 years. How many years is that? A day in my world is like a 1,000 years in your world. Hello? The seventh day? What world did Lucifer come from? God's world. So the seventh millennium. To us, he says, six days work, seventh day no work. To Satan, he said, okay, 6,000 years, I'm going to let you do all your work of deception. But the 7,000 years belongs to me, and in it thou shalt do no work. Hello? Why did he pick 1,000 years? Because God knew exactly what he was doing. Look at it again so it makes sense. From creation to Abraham, 2,000. From Abraham to Jesus, 2,000. From Jesus to our day, 2,000. What's the next thing to happen? Jesus is coming to take his people out of here. How close are we? You know what's the most important? Have you given your life to Jesus tonight? You may not even have till tomorrow. So if you haven't done it, do it tonight. It's not hard. Just say, Lord, forgive me. Please remember me. How tough is that? Okay? Well, no man knows the day nor the hour, but Jesus is near even at the door. How many of you want to just be ready for him to come? You want to do that? Shall we stand together as we pray? Father, tonight as we've looked into your word, we have a little clearer picture of how the rapture fits together. We notice tonight that in studying your word, those going into the fire are those who receive the mark of the beast, those who worship this Antichrist, those who worship this enforcer, this image. And we notice those that go to heaven with you have not. So, Father, tomorrow night, 
we're going to find out who is this Antichrist. You and I know, Father, Satan will do everything in his power to keep people from coming because tomorrow night his mask is taken off and he doesn't like that very much at all. So I pray tonight you'll put a hedge around each and every person and their family and keep them safe from all harm and danger and bring them back tomorrow night as we learn this great truth. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.